Well, good morning, church. It is really good uh, to be together with you. As I was thinking about uh, coming up and, and sharing God's word today, I was thinking about just how blessed I felt to have a church like this, how blessed I have to have all the support, all the friendship, uh, all the prayers that I've had over the years uh, and even this week from this body of Christ and just the care that's here, the, the warm welcomes that are here, uh, it's such a blessing. And so I just, uh, you know, we, we, some of us, it's not our first time here, right? We come in week after week and it's almost like we could take for granted this opportunity to worship God, this opportunity to open his word, this opportunity to have this community of people that want to support us and love us and encourage us. And uh, I'm just so grateful for it. And so thank you, church, for who you are. Thank you for how you love one another. We're truly so blessed. Uh, you know, speaking of family, uh, one thing that Christina and I want to share before I get started, a, a bit of good news in our family, is we recently welcomed our second child, Silas Beckett. So we're very excited about that. I think you might have a picture of my little guy looking up there. Um, you know, what can I say? COVID. Uh, but we're doing, we're doing our part to grow the church, uh, to grow the children's ministry, and uh, we're changing a lot of diapers, and we're drinking a lot of coffee, uh, so we're, we're doing our best. Uh, my other boy, JB, is, uh, is a great uh, big brother, and it's been really cool to see the way uh, the two of them are interacting, and so we're just thankful for all of your support to have this family where our boys can grow up together and love one another. Uh, last week, Pastor Eddie started this new series that we've begun on prayer. And he talked about what is uh, the purpose of prayer? Why, why is it that we pray? And uh, today what we're going to study and we're going to look at as we continue this series on prayer is what is the practice of prayer? How do we pray? How do we go about prayer? And, and as I began to study and I began to think about this, I could tell you that as far back as I can remember as, as, a, as a Christian, as a child growing up in the church and accepting Christ at an early age in my life, prayer has deeply been a part of who I am and how I've lived. And I, and I can remember so many uh, stories of how I've seen God uh, work in prayer in my life and in other people's lives. And I've experienced a little bit of it all. I felt really close to God at times in my life. I felt far from God and far from his presence other times. Uh, I've, I've seen God answer prayers quickly in my life and been amazed that, you know, within an hour, within a moment, within a day, how you lift a request up to God and, and bam, he does something, he answers that prayer. And I've seen other times where I've lifted prayers up to God and I thought, wow, God, uh, you know, we're, we're waiting a while on this one. And I've, and I've waited and waited and waited and, and wondered, like, where are you, God? And I've seen prayers answered very slowly. I've seen a little bit of it all, and I experienced it a little bit of all, and it's been a part of my journey and my story as a follower of Christ. And yet, as I was thinking back to all that I've learned about prayer and how do you pray and what Jesus said, and I studied the scriptures this week, it was by God's grace that I can tell you I felt some conviction in my life. Even as I think about as much as my life currently lines up with the life of Christ, and as much as my prayer lines up with his life, I felt some conviction in my life knowing that God has a little bit more for me. God has something else a little bit better for me. And, and I imagine that many of you, when we speak about prayer, feel the same way. 
Uh, if I were to take a survey right now about our church prayer life, and I'm not going to, okay, but if I was going to take a survey, one to ten, and one on the survey was like, uh, I pray, yeah, I pray, and five was more of a, I pray, I definitely pray, and ten was like, I'm walking with Jesus. I have a deep and satisfying, abiding prayer life with Jesus, and I am seeing prayers answered. I think that most likely somewhere in that scale, although there'd be a huge mix and all of it within this church, I think there'd be a whole lot of fives. I think there'd be a whole lot of, I pray. And, and, and though we pray, we, we have this feeling like there's something more, that God has something more for us. And, and, and I really don't think that when it comes to how to pray, that our issue is that we do not pray. In fact, I think a lot of us carry a lot of false guilt about our prayer life, and we feel it doesn't measure up in some way. And I really don't think that our problem when it comes to how to pray is that we're not praying. I think that, that we don't, we have challenges that we face, and we need to overcome these challenges because we know that there's something that God has for us that he wants to invite us into, and there's a real struggle in prayer. And why is that? Why is it that uh, we long for more, we feel like we're missing out on something, or we carry this guilt in our lives when it comes to prayer, yeah, I think that's because in its simplest form, when you boil it all down, prayer is a relationship. Prayer, at its simplest form, is our relationship with God. And no relationship in our life is stagnant because of sin, because of Satan. Every single relationship in our life comes with struggle, even our relationship with God. Not because of God. God's not the issue in our relationship with him, but because of us and because of our sin and because of this broken world. And, and we are prone to be distracted in our prayer life. We're prone to be forgetful. We're prone to become cynical Cynical sometimes just about what we see in, in the world, in life, um, politics, right? Whatever we believe and think about politics, we just start to become cynical, like what's happening in this world? And so we become cynical about prayer, wondering if it will really make a difference in our lives. And I think our biggest problem is we're super busy. We live busy, busy lives. I've heard it said that if Satan can distract you by keeping you busy, he will. His desire is to make us so busy and so anxious that we don't spend time with God. And many of us come this morning to this topic of prayer, carrying around busyness and guilt and shame that God never intended for us to carry. And a lot of us, we mask how we really even feel about prayer because we feel like in some way we're missing the mark. Well, my hope this morning, church, is that we open God's word and we look at a little snapshot in the life of Christ and we look at Jesus' central teaching at the end on prayer. My hope is that we would all feel encouraged, that we would all, that if there is any guilt or, or disappointment we're carrying, that we would all feel encouraged in our relationship with God and that um, we would be able to identify some of the things that get us off track in our relationship with God, and that we would be able to better enjoy our walk with God as he desires uh, for us to enjoy it. 
So that's my hope as we open God's word. Uh, and before we do that, I, we're going to pray like we always do beforehand and, and go to uh, practice prayer together. And so let's go ahead and seek the Lord in prayer before we open up his word today. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you so much for uh, your words. We thank you so much for your life. We thank you for the guide that it is to our hearts. We thank you uh, that you point us and you steer us and you love us in the right direction and you just want to be with us, God. And so, God, I pray that not my words, uh, but your word would rest upon our hearts and our souls today, God, and that we would leave refreshed and renewed with a fresh vision for prayer. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. So I, I want to start in Luke chapter 5, and I just want to read this one verse, uh, this snippet in the life of Christ. And so I want to invite you to grab your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 5, verse 16. And I want to encourage you to underline this verse in your Bible. I'm going to have it on the screen at home and here, yes, but I really want to encourage you to mark this verse down. If you need to, get your phone out. Just write it down. Mark it in your phone. Get your Bible. Make a highlight in it. But we're going to spend the overwhelming majority of our uh, time together in God's Word just thinking about, asking questions about, looking at this verse, this moment in the life of Christ. And my hope is that we would remember Luke 5, 16 by the time that we leave uh, together today. And so let me go ahead and read this verse to us. It says, Yet Jesus himself frequently withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. Yet Jesus frequently withdrew and prayed. There's a little snippet in the life of Christ. The Gospels, the four Gospels, record for us the life of Christ. They record for us God's Son who came down to earth living as a man. And as you read through the Gospels, if, you'll, if you've paid attention before or you begin to pay attention now that I'm bringing this to your attention, you are going to see there are quite a number of verses like this. The night before the Jesus called the 12 disciples to himself, it said what? That he went aside to a mountain and prayed all night. Before he went to the cross, he went to the garden of Gethsemane and he asked Peter and his disciples to stay up and pray with him. And you will see throughout the scriptures that his life, that, that, that what's written down for us is littered throughout the gospels of these moments where it says Jesus got away he got away and he prayed. Then he got away and withdrew to be alone with our Father. As I, as I wrote those words and thought about those words this week, I just paused, alone with our Father. We, we hate to be alone. We hate to be still. We have our phone with us all the time. We have people with us all the time. Many of us feel like we wouldn't know what to do if we were alone. We feel uncomfortable being alone. And yet, when we look at the life of Christ, it says that he frequently got alone away from everyone and everything and was still to simply just pray and be with his fathers. Now, the context here is he, he was just uh, teaching and he was just out doing ministry and he had just healed somebody and great crowds were beginning to gather around him. And, and what's funny is Jesus' response is, I'm going to get away. Now, if we were writing the story and we were back in, in his shoes, we would be like totally different. We'd be like, Jesus, it's time to start a social media campaign. Uh, you're hit. That post, it finally hit. 
Uh, we got to get, get content out there right now because everyone's following you. And we got to start scheduling more church services. Uh, you know, we got to have nine church services because everybody's coming. We got to do more, more, more. We got to get you out there. We got to get you on media. We need to get hire a strategist. I mean, we got to go. Everybody's showing up, Jesus. The crowds are coming. And yet Jesus did the exact opposite. He didn't have a phone, right? So take this uh, metaphorically, but like he put the phone down. He, he got off social media. He didn't do any more church services. He didn't go anywhere else. He actually got away from all the people, and he just went and sat with his father. He knew in his limited humanity, coming down and living as a human, that he needed to be with his father. Why did he do that? Because he knew that, that what he wanted to offer, relationship with his Abba father, the only way to continue to offer that was to have it, and the only way to have it was to get away from everything else and to just be with his father. And his teaching and his healing that he was offering then and still offering us today that was ultimately made possible by his death and his resurrection, this offering, what he was really trying to give everyone, was really just a restored relationship with his heavenly father. And so as he was out ministering, doing things and working with the father, he would get away and just go enjoy that relationship so that he actually had the thing that he wanted to impart, that he wanted to give, a restored connection with God himself. And so I want to point out two huge things that, that we see here in this verse. One is that it was more important in the life of Jesus to be with his father than to do for his father. It was more important for him to just be with his father, to get away and be with him than to do anything for him. And you know what's interesting about that? Jesus accomplished more than anyone else has ever accomplished ever on the planet. Hello. And his biggest goal wasn't to do something for God. It was simply just to be with his father. He spent so much time with his father that his father's love for him and his father's love for people was always before him in everything that he did and fueled his actions. The second big thing I want to point out that we see from this verse and we see from the life of Christ is that his significance was found first in his relationship with his father, not in his accomplishments, not in his relationships, not in his possessions, what he had, who he, what he did, what he had, what he did and who he was with. They didn't make him the man that he was. They were simply always to enjoy and selfishly share his father and his father's love. First and foremost, he found his significance, his identity in his relationship with his father. Now we could spend our entire morning just continuing to unpack those two things, but what I really want to draw our attention to this morning in this verse, that this verse goes with us today, that it stays with us, Luke 5.16, is that amidst what was the most significant life that anyone has ever lived, Jesus frequently stopped and got away in his life to be alone and pray. You cannot read the Bible and look at the life of Christ and not notice that the way that he lived, his rhythm of life, right? Like 
We've got two young kids at home. Our rhythm is, consists of a lot of food and diapers and naps and bedtime. And like, there's like a schedule. It's happening every single day, right? You guys with young kids know and understand. My parents are, are uh, empty nesters now and they come over. And I'm like, wow, you guys are like living how I did as a teenager. You know, they can just, they can party, right? Because the kids are all out of the house. Uh, but there's a schedule. Things are just happening, right? Well, when you look at the life of Christ, part of his regular rhythm is just how he lived. Was he stopped? got away from everything, and he got alone, and he prayed. That's just how he lived every day, and it begs the question, do we live that way, right? And so as I'm talking about prayer, some of us are beginning to think, well, but you don't understand my purpose, right? Like, I, I got a lot of people that are counting on me. I got people that are counting on me at work. Uh, I got kids that I'm trying to raise, that I'm trying to teach. I'm trying to make money there to provide for my family, to glorify God. Uh, there's souls that need to be saved, pastor. I got a mission, right? Well, Jesus accomplished more than anyone else ever, and somehow he was able to get away from everything and just be alone and pray frequently. And now something else you guys are probably beginning to think about is like, all right, Pastor, weren't you going to talk about how to pray? You've been, you've been talking for a while, and you haven't said anything about words yet. You haven't said anything about, about what I'm supposed to say when I pray, but, but let's just look at the life of Christ for a second. We want to we understand how to pray, Right? Well, what is prayer? Prayer is a relationship with our Father. Do you think that our Father is so concerned about us getting the words right? Or does He just want to be with us? Does He just want us away from everything just to sit with us, just to delight in us, just to, to be present with us, for us to be present with Him? Those of you that, that are married, if you can remember back to me the moment that, guys, you proposed to your wife or, or you were beginning to fall in love with somebody, I know that when I was, I tell the story of when I was asking Christine out for my first date, right? Like, I, I had been confident for some reason in some dating relationships before that, and then I got to pursuing my wife, and I was like, I called her up and I was like, would you like to um, maybe... Um, uh, uh, and she's like, what are you asking? Like, what are, what are you trying to say, right? And I was so slow in the way I went about everything because I valued her so much and I, I didn't want to hurt her in any way and I wanted to go about this so carefully, right? And, and you can tell by the look in somebody's eye when they're with you, whether they have the right words or not, you can tell when they're genuine. You can tell when they care. You can tell when they want to be there with you. Jesus wants those moments with us. The Father wants those moments with us. Jesus wanted those moments with his Father. He just wasn't distracted by everything. He could just be present. Part, if not the most significant thing about learning how to pray, is about learning to just get away and be with Jesus unhurried, unrushed. Revelation tells us, Jesus says these words. He says, you don't have to turn there. I just want to read this to you. Behold, I stand and knock at the door. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus just wants to be with us. He wants relationship. And so one of our greatest struggles to be with God, to get away with him, is this struggle that we all have of hurry. We struggle to relate to God, to be with God because of hurry. Hurry is the antithesis of relationship. It's the opposite of relationship. Hurry hurts our relationships. It hurts our health. It hurts our faith. It's a danger to our emotions. It's a danger to our intimacy with God. We all know we're too busy, and yet we don't know what to do about it. And part of it is because 
The world has changed so much. Technology is supposed to make our lives uh, slower and easier and better. And somehow with technology, we're busier than we've ever been before. The clock was supposed to help us to be able to keep track of time, and now we've become a slave to it instead of just realizing that the sun has risen and the sun has set on the day, and now the day has ov- is, is over. Cars are supposed to make it faster to get around places, and they do, and yet we find ourselves always rushing, always pushed against the speed limit. Personal computers, the internet, the iPhone, all these things were supposed to make our lives faster and better, and they do. They serve many wonderful purposes but yet we're always on now. Right now, someone could text you and, and, and the next thing and the next thing, we're always on, we're never off. And so to have a significant, unhurried spiritual life, we need to learn to live and imitate Jesus's way of life. And so I wanna propose a few solutions to this problem, to this struggle that we all have. And the first thing is, is kind of a premise for all these solutions that I wanna present is that to have a prayer life, to know how to pray, to just be with Jesus. The first and most important thing we need to remember is that it is just about a relationship and God just wants to be with us and we can't set up any expectation for that. God longs and looks forward to all of it, wherever we can meet him, in our imperfect imperfect seeking of him. In the moments we can, I was taking a shower this morning, getting ready, and I was thinking about my sister-in-law who's on this huge trip, and I'm like, I just wanted to pray for her, right? Like those shower prayers and those going and those going to bed at night prayers and those waking up prayers and those prayers before mealtimes, they're all great and they're all amazing, and we need to seek after those things and just enter into those moments of prayer. But at the same time, if it ends there, if our prayer life consists of just those little moments of prayer, we'll never have the peace that God longs for us to have. We'll never have the intimacy that God longs for us to have with him. And so here's a few things that I wanna propose or share. We need to reawaken and follow what the Bible teaches about the principles of just getting away like Jesus and Sabbathing. A few weeks ago when we were getting ready for our son to be born, I was uh, busy doing a whole bunch of things and Fridays we closed the church office and I was at home uh, working on things with the family and working on some things for the church and doing different things. And, and, and one of my rhythms, one of the ways that I just have moments with Jesus is I, I, I just have to, to get up and, and physically move myself from this church building or from my home and just go for a walk. And so I did that. I just went for a walk and I just started walking around the block and I just started talking to God and I just started, you know, throwing out all these things to him. And, and, and in that walk, he was able to quiet my soul and I was able to just kind of begin to like ask God, what, what are you doing in my life? And my heart began to connect with his and it wasn't in that moment about having a less busy life or a le- but having a less busy heart. And I was able to just present everything that was happening in my life and to be able to, to invite God into it and to see God in it and it just felt so refreshing to just get away and be with God. One of the things I've learned from, from Pastor Eddie uh, that I also do, not as frequently as him, is just go for bike rides. Get away and get on a bike and, uh, and just be out in nature and just pray while I'm on a bike ride. There's so many ways to get away and to Sabbath. And it doesn't have to be for a technical whole day. We don't have to just say, okay, Lord, Sunday, there will be no work. Or Saturday, you can take a morning, you can take an hour, you can take half an hour. If you could take a half a day, it's way better. 
just get away and pause and stop and slow down and be alone with God. Something else that we can do to fight this hurry in our life is to disconnect from technology, disconnect from our phones. At night, we have a place, my wife and I, where we charge our phones and we just put them there and that's it, they're done. I have an alarm on my watch, so I'm not completely disconnected, so I've got something to wake me up, right? But you gotta find something, maybe just put that thing away and get it away from you so that we're not just constantly on our device and we can just be still and be away from technology. Something else that we can do is have a place to write, to journal, to make lists, to catch the story of what God's doing in our life. Many of us, this just sounds crazy, right? You're like, Pastor, I'm never gonna journal. Like, that's just, bro, that is not me. It is not gonna happen. Why is it that for our work and for our families that we have calendars, somebody's keeping some sort of a calendar? Like, there is some sort of a plan. There's no way we function without any idea of what's gonna happen in the coming month. And yet we think that we're going to be able to manage everything that's happening in our lives and talking with God and not have any place we can record these things or write these things down. And I'm not saying to have some perfect list, but there are so many things I know that you want to share with God. You want to remember that God's done, that if there's simply some place that you can write some of those things down, what I do is share a couple different areas of my life with God. I think back uh, throughout the week and I think of like what's happening in my walk with him and in ways that I want him to work in my heart and my character. I think about relationships and I start to journal or write down some of the the relationships I want to be praying about so I can more frequently pray for those that I love and I care about and even realize what's in my own heart. I pray about uh, my work or my calling. What's God doing through this church? What's God doing in my work and how do I need him to help me there? And I just think about my home. You may have other lists, but there needs to be some way that we can realize the story by recording things. That's something else that can help. One of the other things we can do to help us slow down and connect with God is to take advantage of the people in our life that are also doing the same thing. I mentioned Pastor Eddie because uh, I, I go for way more bike rides now because if you hang out with him, you'll realize like he's a bike, that's what he does, right? He bikes all the time. And I've learned through doing it with him that it's an awesome thing to just be alone and, and be out on a bike and be alone with God. Uh, because of my friend Shane and because of my wife who love to walk, uh, I never used to like to walk. I thought running was like way better, but I've, I've learned like walking is awesome. And I go for walks all the time with my family or by myself and I connect with God like that. I have a friend, Matt, who just loves to pray. And when I get with him, it just encourages my own prayer life. And so while the bulk of our prayer life is not going to be done in community like this, it's going to be done alone, it is important that we learn uh, from others and with others and allow other people to help us in in our journey of prayer. But if I could summarize all this verse, how do we pray? We just look back to Luke 5, 16. We just have to be like Jesus. And how do we pray? We just get alone and we just be with our Father. Pursue a rhythm that involves being alone with Him. One of the things that's probably super important, all that, is to have a designated time each day where you can just be still with Him. And don't be legalistic or beat yourself about it if it doesn't happen exactly the way you like, but strive for it. Seek for that moment with that cup of coffee first thing in the morning where you can just open your heart to God and and be still. But we need to seek to to be alone and be away with him. I want to close by looking through Jesus' words then on when we have these moments and we're alone, how is it that then we express ourselves to God? 
And so I want to turn uh, to Matthew, and I want to turn uh, to chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus said, when we pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If, if you've grown up in Laredo, like I did, I grew up praying this before every game that my team ever competed in. We would say the Lord's Prayer over and over and over. And yet just before these verses, Jesus says, when we pray these prayers, I don't want you to pray them as mindless repetitions, just saying these words over and over and over. This is a model for how you connect with me, for how you speak and relate to me. And so when we say our Father in heaven, it helps to just picture God, picture that he's there with you, to realize that his name is the one that's meant to be great in our life, not our name. Father, hallowed be your name. And that means that, you know, we want all these wonderful things to happen. We need to say, no, God, it's all about you and what I want to see happening with your name. I surrender myself to you. And I, when I pray this, I'm often convicted then, like, you know, I start off the morning and I pray this and then I'm getting in my car and I'm like, this probably is going to change the way I drive today. Because if I want God's name to be hallowed and I'm blazing, which I often am in my car, sorry if you, if you see me, guilty church, right? Um, I'm not reflecting God very well. And so I need to slow down and, and, and hollow his name, honor his name in everything that I do. Verse 10, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we want to know God's will, then we need to be in his word. We need to not only pray, but we need as our guide for prayer, we need to read God's word. Recently, uh, I was praying for a group of guys and, and there was a guy that came to my mind and I thought, I really want to be praying for this guy. I really want to be praying for this guy. And I thought, I have no idea how to pray for this dude. Like God put it on my heart to pray for him and I had no idea how to pray. And I kept thinking about it. And I thought, why, why do I not know how to pray for him? And I thought, it's because I, he, he's off in college right now. And I thought, it's because I never see him. I'm never around him. I don't know what's going on. I'm probably gonna have to pick up the phone and call him and ask what's happening if I want to know how to pray for him because I'm never with him. If we want to know how to pray for other people in our life, if we want to know how to pray for God's will in our life, we also have to spend time reading the Bible. We're never going to have a rich, satisfying prayer life unless we're in God's word together. Because he gives us a picture of what his will looks like. He says in Galatians 5 that, that his will, that, that the fruit of his spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And 1 Corinthians 13 says that, that it describes how love is to us. Love is patient. Love is kind, right? So if we want to pray God's will, we need to read God's word and pray it over and over in our life. And then he says in verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. You know, it's funny. Children, when they ask us for stuff, they, they pretty much are convinced it's going to happen. Like they ask and they totally believe it's going to happen, Right? And, and yet with God, when we come to him, we're always skeptical that he's going to hear us, that he's going to answer our prayers. And we need to learn with God to, to take him at his word. Give me my daily bread. Whatever I need in my life right now, to, for your will to be true in my life, I'm going to ask for your help, for, you, for me to be patient. I'm going to ask for this person that I love, for this thing to happen in their life. Trusting and knowing what Romans 8.28 says, that God works all things together for the good of those who love him. But we can come to God every single day asking for him to provide for us, for him to care for us. Ephesians 3.20 says that when we pray this and we pray, give me your daily bread, God, 
that God is able to do far more than we think or imagine. And then he says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We need to learn to ask for forgiveness and we need to learn to extend forgiveness. In many ways, we're withdrawn from God in our prayers because we either want to distract ourselves by something from our own guilt and our sin, or we compare ourselves to others and we go, well, I'm not as bad as this person, or we crush ourselves and when we sin, we just pull completely away from God and we think we're the worst and God could never forgive us, or we defend ourselves to God and we say, well, our sin's really not that bad. And yet, we will become cynical if we continue to do that. God wants us every day to just come to him and acknowledge our sin and accept his love, accept his forgiveness and continue to forgive other people. Forgiveness is a, is a never ending process. And then he says this last phrase, he says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We're prone to wander and we need to lift God up and realize that we have this propensity to wander from God. And so what I wanna do in closing today, church, is I wanna, I wanna end by just being together as a church and I wanna just say a prayer as we look at this way of life of prayer and I wanna pray for a few things together. One is, I got a message last night from one of our missionaries, a, a former person from Laredo, David Beck. Him and his wife moved a few years ago to Chiapas, Mexico, and uh, he's come and he's spoken on Sundays to us before and our church is supporting them and financially and in prayer. And he, him and his wife and their family are building a home right now in a village where they've been teaching and doing evangelism and building a church there. And some people uh, have come and it's a very close community and they said, you can't build a home here anymore. And, and so he asked that we would pray, that I would pray. And I said, you know what, I'm gonna pray with the church that we would just pray that God's favor would open the doors and we'd be able to build our home there. And we know that if, if God says yes and God says no, we know no matter what, God's working for good, but we wanna join with him this morning. There's a meeting at two o'clock with the village to decide whether they're gonna let him live in that village. And I just wanna come before you guys and practice this prayer and ask for God to, to move on his behalf. And another thing I wanna pray about is in a few weeks, we're gonna be hiring someone to help with our youth ministry. And we're gonna be hiring somebody to lead our elementary ministry. We know that God knows exactly those people to help in those ministries. And I wanna pray that God uh, would, would answer that prayer, and bring the right people to those positions. And then lastly, I'm just gonna give space for you to open your own hearts uh, to God today. And so would you close and just pray with me? I'm gonna get down on my knees and just lift these requests to God and invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. In, in many ways, Lord, this this slow music this morning is just so appropriate to what we're, we're talking about, Lord. Just getting alone and being with you. We know, God, that Satan wants to get us busy, busy, busy and distracted and cynical. And Lord, you just want us to get away and be with you. So I, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to do that this week, that you would help us to disconnect and to just pursue you with our hearts and open our hearts to you, God. And we come together as a church, Lord, and we pray for a few things today, God. We pray for our, our brother in Christ and his wife, uh, David and Lily Beck, God, and we pray for this meeting at two o'clock today, God. And we just pray on behalf of your name and your kingdom, God. It's, 
It's David's desire and Lily's desire, Father, that you would just open the doors for them to come and live with this people, to not just have a church there, but to live in their community. And so we pray, Jesus, that you would just uh, give favor to them at that meeting and the, the villagers that are, that are rising up and saying, no, someone from the outside cannot move in here. God, that you would just soften hearts and, and open the doors for them to live there. Jesus, we pray for the people that we will be hiring to lead ministries in this church. Father, you know exactly who those people are. And we come to you now, God, and we pray that you would bring the right person to help in our student ministry and the, the right person to lead in our children's ministry, God. We would just be able to see your provision and calling those people to those roles, Lord. And we just surrender those things to you today. And God, we close this time of prayer, Father, with a moment of silence us just to open our hearts to you, Father, to pursue you, Lord, in prayer. Today and the rest of this week, we invite you to speak to us. things in your name. Amen. So good to be with you today, church. Continue to worship Christ.